inspiring you to reach your goals and live your dream. And live your dream. This is the Keaton Nelson Show. Alrighty, guys. Uh, welcome to the Keaton Nelson Show. Uh, today's guest is an entrepreneur who broke free from the grips of the corporate world uh, to build his own legacy and now helps others do the same. He spent 13 years working a nine to five, like many do, as a retail sales job and, and until he realized or decided that that life wasn't for him anymore. Congratulations, man. 13 years. That's awesome. Um, his flipping journey uh, began in 2013, and in January 2016, he was able to quit his corporate management position, uh, leaving behind uh, full benefits, 401k, the four weeks of paid vacation, the comfortability, in exchange for the ability to um, do what he wanted and when he wanted, right? Uh, he currently flips 10 to 15 properties at a time. That sounds insane. Uh, with real estate investors to help them launch and scale their house flipping and wholesale businesses all over the U.S. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, we got the man, the myth, Jeremy Rubin, a.k.a. the friendly flipper. Man, it's so awesome to have you on this podcast, brother. Thank you for taking the time. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Keaton. <laughs> Glad to be here, man. Glad to be here. That was an amazing intro. I don't. You told my whole story. I don't know what else I have for you. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out, man. So, dude, tell, tell me where you're from. I'm from California. I'm from the central coast of California. I've been living here for the last, well, since 2000, so 22 years now. Uh, then prior to that, uh, the L.A. area, uh, northeast Los Angeles County, Palmdale, California. That's where I was uh, born and raised up until uh, we moved to the central coast. So I've been here. If you're not familiar with California geography, Take the Bay Area, Los Angeles, and just about in the middle, right about. Got it. Yeah, uh, I got a brother up in the Redwoods, man, like three hours north of San Francisco. Hippie right. town, you know? Um, and I, we, yeah, it's amazing. The Redwoods and, geez, yes, yeah, it's, it's absolutely gorgeous. We'd always fly in through to San Francisco and go up there and visit them. I haven't been down to L.A. yet or, or any of the other areas in uh, Cali, but I'm not sure I want to visit there right now anyway from what I think see going on you know yeah, um, yeah it's it's wild come on down anytime we'll give you the tour <laughs> cool man um so bro how'd you how'd you grow up uh in la were you rich poor middle class what, what would you say mom and dad still together what was that life like when you're growing up yeah yeah so um yeah middle class um east side of palmdale uh was where, where it all started <laughs> so um parents are still together um got any brothers and sisters or anything yeah yeah so um grew up uh the eldest of two brothers and then uh discovered i had a half sister later on in life oh shit uh, so that was uh so yeah basically gained a, a sister two nephews and a, a brother-in-law overnight a few years back <laughs> that's nuts man so uh yeah man so just you know growing up um uh pretty pretty normal i guess you could say uh yeah that's a blessing man like people um they almost feel like you got to come from from like these tough tough backgrounds and have this amazing story but like you got to have like take that as a, a huge blessing to have that in your life you know um and that yeah. you, you, did, you didn't have to go through any any bs you know um well, not to say not to say that it's, it's all perfect and you know sunshines and roses 
but like sometimes people come on these podcasts and they, I mean, they're, you know, their stepdad was beating their mom and beating the crap out of them and all this other stuff was going on in the household and had no, you, you know, <laughs> they're dealing yeah. crack in the ninth grade and stuff, you know, all that type of stuff. But yeah, no crack dealing in the ninth grade. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, we all have our, our things that shape us for sure. Without a doubt, man. Um, did you, how did you end up, um, you know, just in the corporate world? Did you go to school before? Like, did you go to college or like, were you out of high school trying to look for a job? You were, you were like doing like Verizon AT&T sales or something like that, right, man? Yeah, Verizon. So um, that all started with, um, basically, I was hustling. I, I always had this work mentality. Like my parents instilled in me from early on, uh, if you want something, you can have it, but you got to earn it. Like it's on you to figure out, you know, what's going to take to to make that happen. So, um, I mean, from like age six or seven, I had uh, this first idea of a, um, well, I made my first business card right around there. It was handwritten, hand drawn. Um, I wanted to be a policeman. That was my thing back in the day. So <laughs> nice. I had a business card. Um, and my dad uh, worked at a print shop. Actually, my grand grandfather owned a print shop and my dad worked there. And um, my dad went and uh, he made copies of it for me on the printing press. And so I had actually, you know, business cards, call anytime, day or night, it said on there with a little badge. You know, some of the letters probably reversed because I was like six or barely knew how to write. <laughs> Always had this like business mindset. My, um, uh, that just wanting to earn and, and just get ahead and do stuff. I don't know. It's been early on. So then like I started this bike polishing business um, uh, shortly after I was like eight um, where I wanted to, I, I connected the dots. Like for the first time I saw, okay, my neighbors all raced BMX bikes and they would come home with these dirty bikes and uh, they would, you know, well, they got to look good for the next race. Right. So um, I go out, my mom takes me to, um, I think it was like H and E hardware or something back in the day. Yeah. And got this can of mother's polish, um, this like chrome polish. It was like seven bucks or something. It was a pretty big investment at the time. Uh, so, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. So then I go and I approach the neighbor, my first to be my first like perspective, actually first person I ever pitched. Now that I think about it, um, I go up to the neighbor. It's um, his dad. Andy's my my. Uh, my age or so, uh, the neighbor, his dad, Scott, I'm like, Hey, you know, I see you guys, you know, he's have the bikes coming back from the races and they're dirty. And, you know, I want to see if, you know, I could, uh, offer my, uh, bike polishing services here. I got this can sweet can of mother's polish. And, um, he was like, Oh, that's cool, man. And, but then he's like, check it out. Look what I got. And he points over, it has the same can of polish right there. And I'm like, Oh man, well, I guess I got the right stuff, but yeah, a step ahead. So I think that was my first live pitch. Um, but then my first customer actually was my dad. He was like, yeah, I'll, 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 I would like you to, to polish me and your mom's bike. So they were supportive of my, my efforts, but they always were, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like, we'll give stuff to you. It's like, here, we'll, we'll set you up, but I'm That's super, awesome. great, super grateful for that. Yeah, man, that, how'd that lead to the corporate me. world <laughs> yeah no 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 that's a i'm glad you touched on that story because dude when i was um younger i mean i didn't even know what car detailing business was but i was like going around the neighborhood it was like townhouses right you go knock on door to door 
And I tell people I clean their cars for, I don't know, I made a pitch. I had like a, a whole, uh, you know, package built out, but I was totally into that type of stuff. Um, I was 12 years old caddying and like, you know, trying to figure out how to be better and better at caddying and, and make more money per bag and all sorts of stuff. So I totally, I, I ride with you there, but I think you're, you're getting at the point that, you know, your parents were, you know, they wanted you to work hard and work for what you got, you know? So how did that translate to when you're working at Verizon? I mean, sales is, I don't know if you're, you're, uh, you're a salary employee, but I mean, working on commissions, not always easy either. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, where that led to was I worked through, I worked in high school. So, uh, pretty much as soon as I could legally, um, I, I worked. And even before that, I mean, I, I used to pull nails during summer out of boards that they would, so old fences that they would tear down. Uh, we used me and my brother, a couple other guys, we used to pull nails for five bucks an hour out of these boards. Cause they would use the boards again for, um, you know, distressed furniture and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so it was just whatever I could do, always hustling to make money. And, you know, then it was washing dishes. And then the next step up from there was, um, you know, and getting screamed at by this owner in Greek of this. <laughs> I'm like, ah, do what I can. Uh, but then I, that didn't last that long. So I didn't really enjoy it that much. <clears throat> um, but I, so I applied at Circuit City and uh, got hired on as holiday help at Circuit City. Um, organizing CDs basically, and just, you know, help bringing up customers during the holiday season there. And then uh, I guess I did a good enough job at that where they, they kept me on. And um, so then I moved over eventually to selling um, electronics, consumer electronics, computers, digital cameras, scanners. And um, what a lot of people don't realize because they see me now is that I was super introvert. I mean, I mean, I'm still an introvert, but super socially awkward and like uh, just afraid to talk, really afraid to express myself, just just feeling like super self-conscious, um, just very, very, whatever you think of as the like definition of an extreme introvert, that was pretty much me. Like I only spoke when I felt like I really had to um, and just didn't even like, I don't know, I just wasn't uh, just very shy, even you could say. Um, but I liked people. So it wasn't like I didn't like people. And I wish I wasn't that way. So like this whole time, so I was growing up in this dynamic of damn, like, like at high school, I was the guy who would in the circle, we're standing around in the circle chatting, I would never say anything. Why? Because I didn't, I didn't speak up. I didn't felt like my voice wasn't important. I felt like they would think I was stupid. So I had to grow up with a lot of self uh consciousness and low self-esteem issues for i don't know why like i can't place where these things came from but it just like ever since a long long time so we're getting a little deeper here but no this I guess, is so I, cool this is awesome man keep going okay okay so um i was homeschooled from age grade zero to uh my first day on a, on a campus public school was my sophomore year, 15 years old in high school. So as a sophomore um, in high school is your first day in public school. First day walking. <laughs> like what the, like just mind blown in a lot of ways. And I bet. And I'm grateful for the homeschool experience. Cause I, I, sure. I but first you'll have to unlock your device. Oh, great. We got Google listening to me over here. <laughs> uh, so, 
I was grateful for that. Um, but I really wanted to go to school ever since uh, actually seventh grade when I started making friends in the with the neighborhood kids because I would hang out with neighborhood kids. I I didn't resonate a lot with the homeschool groups that we would associate with from time to time. I didn't feel like I fit in there. I felt like the normal kids were the ones that went to school. I don't know. I know my parents yeah. were going to do their best in terms of education because my mom right. had been a teacher previously and um, in LA County. And she was just like, I don't want you to, you know, if we can do something about it at home, I'd rather do, do that. So, um, and this was when it was not nearly as popular as it is now. So we're homeschooling, kind of, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Going against the, the grain in a lot of ways there. Um, but I don't think that helped. I mean, that experience great from an education standpoint, not having to, you know, go to, at the pace of the class, but be able to just learn things and do, you know, hands-on stuff. And, um, but it wasn't great for my social exposure piece of it. So, so time, yeah. along with being, um, you know, pretty introverted, I, I, I kind of had a lack of exposure com in comparison to, I guess, what the majority of people um, would. So 15 years old, I finally convinced my parents like, hey, I want to go to school. Like, let me go to school. Let me, let me do this. <laughs> so it was a new school, new high school opening. Um, for, for the, in that city, in the town of Nipomo. So um, I think that helps too. There, I was- To be able to pitch it to them and get them to the, board to the, yeah, the idea. It's a new school, <laughs> you know, it's only, you know, brand new, you know, stuff could, you know, it's not the old overcrowded school that they were trying to alleviate right. uh, pressure from. So walked on the campus, 15 years old, didn't know like much at all, but, um, within about a year's time, I really realized like, man, I want to, I like being around people. I like people, but what the hell, like, I've not, what can I do to get better? How can I get better at this? Like, so I decided to dive right in, like, and, at, at some, and I consider myself way below average at this time from a social standpoint. Sure. But I'm aware of it. So I'm like, fuck, what can I do? Like to, to like, that, overcome, overcome this because that must be wild too i mean like just being like aware that it's because like then sometimes when you're aware of like your flaws or you're of your self-conscious makes you like it perpetuates itself it's like a vicious cycle you know yeah. but it yeah. didn't seem like that was the case for you you were just like no i'm just gonna attack this yeah but it wasn't definitely wasn't easy it was like so just oh, one step at a time and and uh but what it, so that's why I was like, okay, well, let me get a job with sales because then I can talk about something. I was knowledgeable with electronics and then I don't have to talk about, it takes the pressure off me. Cause anyone who's watching or listening, like if you know, social anxiety is like, it's real. It like just freezes you in a way like, yeah, you can't even like really think the way you could if you would normally. So it's like, you're yeah, you got less like you could even do kind of, so it's kind of crippling. It's weird. But um, later on in the entrepreneur journey is where I felt really figured out how to like overcome some of the, these things. And we'll get to that, I'm sure. But um, yeah, I wanted to get around things that I could talk about, phones, computers, stuff like that. And I just kind of had a little bit of a knack for it. Um, not really as a pushy salesperson at all, but more of just because I wanted people to like me. I was like, Hey, yeah, you know, I want friends. I want to know more people. So like, 
And so I was just energetic and just talked about the product and stuff and still some awkward pauses in between, but those would kind of, you know, become fewer and more further between. I kind of got a little bit better at, at uh, just hanging out. <laughs> no, that's all. I think like being likable is like one of the top skills to be a salesperson in the first place. Yeah. Like, yeah. If someone doesn't like you, they're never going to buy from you, no matter how good your product is. 100%. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes if you have less of a product, but they like you, they'll, they'll pick you over the other guy. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah being, being likable for sure. Um, but yeah, keep going, man. And so uh, I was selling cameras and things uh, went from eight fifty an hour to $9 and 10 cents hourly. Big money, uh, big money. And it was <laughs> doing pretty good as far as like uh, I was finishing top three in the store every month consistently in terms of volume. Cause we that would feels good sales volume. We would look at, um, but it wasn't commission. It was after circuit city went off of commission and um, kind of destroyed their own business that they had built in a way. But um, it, it was also at the same time that Verizon kiosks had started been, they started to install these Verizon kiosks in circuit city stores. Mm -hmm. So I was already at that point, even selling cell phones indirectly through uh, for Sprint, T-Mobile and Verizon as circuit city. So I'm familiar with it. I can talk the talk. I'm already selling. So the Verizon reps were like, Hey, you're killing it over here, but you're not making commission. We're making commission. Why don't you come work for us? Yeah. And uh, needless to say, the store uh, director was not so happy about that um, at Circuit City. He was, for sure. Uh, yeah, I can imagine. Um, and then after that, there was a policy uh, where you have to a six month waiting period if you're going to go from Verizon. So I, you were the guy who got by. I was the guy who got by. <laughs> I don't know if it was if it was uh, because of me or or what, but thankfully it worked out the way it did. And um, man, someone gave me a chance at Verizon. I was still like not even knowing like just so little at this point, I just, you know, I could sell cell phones and, and computers and stuff because it was easy for me. But um, there was uh, a manager who at, uh, when I interviewed at Verizon, who uh, he believed in me and, and uh, gave me the shot. And then that was it started part-time sales and that led to full-time and then supervisor. And how many years were you, were, were you at Verizon? Uh, before, before, like, when was it? Twenty sixteen. You ended up getting out of here, right? So, yeah. So how many? So you were there for eleven years. Yeah, to the day. So, yeah, that's wild. To the day. That's kind of cool. <laughs> That's wild, man. So the um, in the eleven years, what did you, what did you start out making? When you know it's probably still hourly plus a little bit of commission. I'm guessing. What were you making a week or a month? You know. Uh, yeah. So like when it started, it was part-time, but it still, it was sales. So, so it was about two thirds of the, um, pay was, uh, commission plus okay. had control over it. Um, uh, but it was like around 45,000, 50 a year. At yeah. part -time. I think full-timers were making like 60, 70. Um, so it wasn't that much of a, a difference. Yeah. But uh, what, 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 when you were, let's say 2015 to 2016, how much were you making then? Uh, just under 90 when I left. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, Mainly, and then, you say still two thirds of the commission or you were a manager at that point and you're all salary? Uh, manager and then it kind of almost goes like two thirds hour or salary and then like one third commission. Kind of, we have less control over it. Um, 
So in, more about uh, what your people do? Basis, because to accelerate on your commission with uh, when you're managing the team, you basically everybody's got to kill it versus right. when you're solo, you know, you're in control of your own action. So uh, I, don't know, I definitely enjoy the, com the competition of selling. Like once I got into management, shortly, not well, not too, it was cool for a while, but after that, it's kind of like I realized okay, there's, there's gotta be more to this life than just selling phones or like trying to, or yeah. maybe sitting other people selling phones now. <laughs> it's fun, but I'm kind of doing it for the money because, uh, okay, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And right. That's cool, man. So, but you started, you flipped your first house in 2013. Is that right? Or you started uh, to, I started studying in 2013. Um, and then I got, it took me about a year to get my first, um, first wholesale deal, first wholesale flip. Yeah, so yeah. basically you flip the contract. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not basically, you're not actually um, doing any work to the house. You're just assigning your uh, ability to purchase the property to someone else for a fee. Um, so you go in, negotiate a good price that would be attractive to an investor or someone else who would want to buy it. And then basically you make a little bit of, uh, don't call between. it between. Yeah. 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 And for I'll even dumb it down even further for listeners. It's like, okay, you go buy a house for $10,000 and you know, it would sell for 15. And then you go to your buddy who's an investor and sell it to him for 12. You make two grand. He makes three. Everyone's happy. And the seller's happy too, because he just uh, uh, sold his house without any hassle. Right. That's it. That's yeah. it. It's cool, man. Um, and I mean, I'll, I'll, we'll dig into like, you know, how hard it is to find a deal and, and maybe you can drop some you know, little nuggets here and there too. But I mean, you took three years or I guess it was two after you got your first deal to decide to quit your job. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, were, yeah. was there a point where you were like, you know, matching your income with the, the wholesaling or with flipping or um, like what? Why did you decide to like, all right, why was 2016 and not 2015 the time to quit? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, um, so I started off by wholesaling and mm -hmm. doing assignment deals. Um, and that was, that in itself was like groundbreaking. Cause I was like, oh, wow, this actually really works, especially after the first one and just hearing about it and then right it online and then it actually coming to fruition. Um, <clears throat> but my goal was flipping. Like my goal was always to flip a house. Um, I knew the wholesaling had potential, like you can make income with that. But my, my true goal was like, okay, I want to flip a house. So <clears throat> I didn't want to leave my corporate job, my, the security that I thought I had of, of, uh, you know, paycheck every other week that I'd been conditioned for since I was like 15 to just, okay, I know I'm getting paid because I put in my hours. Um, <clears throat> I didn't want to give that up. I was really afraid to give that up. A lot of um, people are in that position. Yeah. 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 You know? I mean, like when they're thinking of towing in entrepreneurial entrepreneurial spaces, it's terrifying to give away that security blanket, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's cause you're just, you don't know, you, you know what, you know, which is that, and you don't know the, the unknown is, uh, I don't know if it's going to work or not, you know, especially after before it's been proven. Um, and there's and so there's, like, sometimes there's a lot of people in your ear telling you it's not going to work. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? On There's, top of you not knowing it, everyone else is saying it's not going to work. Yeah. Or, or why are you doing this? Like you have everything, like you got they paid vacation, they paid right. for schooling. Like what more do you want? Like, why do you want to, why do you want more? Why do you want to be better? Why do you, what's like, you know, like, so there's all this, like you're going against like the societal norms in a lot of That's ways. It. Yeah, absolutely, man. So I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I just want, I had to make that point. It's scary. And there's a lot of people talking shit in your ear and you got to shut it out. And, and you know, um, but anyways, you, you, you didn't want to quit the job. You're, you're sticking with your income, but you're starting to make some coin on the side with this real estate sh- shit, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I started um, and I put that right back into the business. So I got my first deal from a Craigslist ad. So $0 marketing uh, was me putting an ad out there. Want to sell your age, want to sell your house. I'm not an agent dot, dot, dot. And that was the, also my first attempt at writing copy. So it's crazy how all these things, <laughs> which I'm still not gr- good at it, I would say, but at least I, I don't know that, that worked. It was good enough. So. Right. It got you paid, man. <laughs> That's so paid, yeah. Yeah. So it was just taking action, taking action. That was, that was a huge part of all of that. Like all of like that we, I kind of skipped over, but really like to get that first deal, it was just action, 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 action. And I really started embracing this idea of massive action. Um, just after listening to podcasts and um, just scrolling through thousands of posts on bigger pockets and yeah. Um, just watching every YouTube video I could, but so I, it was all out there, but I hadn't done it yet. I'd done the wholesale, but what got me there was just continuously telling myself, you know, if they could do it, I could do it. If they could do it, I could do it. And like programming myself with, yeah, because I, I just, that's what I leaned on. Like I got derived so much like, uh, strength and faith from just that just being like, Hey, look, they're just people. If they can do it, I can do it. They're just people. That's dude. If you're listening, I don't know how much I'll ask you later on, but I'm sure you're crushing it now after sticking with it for a long time, you're probably making a lot of money. There's no difference from Jeremy than you. If you're thinking about starting wholesaling or flipping houses, man, you can do it. Um, people have done it in harder markets than there is right now. Um, yeah, I just, I want to make that point. And those people that you're following on social media, same thing. They put their pants on one leg at a time. You know what I mean? Just like you and me. Yeah. 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 It's, right. so, it's funny to think, but there was a time that I didn't think that way. Sure. Like, and especially after you start hanging around with more, I guess you could say affluent people or stuff, but, or just circles of people that have more money, then you see it and you realize it, it was like, wow, like, we're all just the same like we all, yeah. but if you're coming if you're not from that and you're looking always like up at that i guess you could say or at that from outside you think like oh they're different in some way but really it's like it's so the great idea of the great equalizer is like other people that are either have what you want or doing what you do the only difference is they have the information and they're operating differently yeah that's it yep and once I realized that, it's like, okay, if they could do it, I could do it. And that's, I mean, empowering right there. So. Amen. Amen. That's awesome, brother. Um, you have somewhere else you're going with that? Um, 
Oh, so, okay. So how, so what giving the, getting the confidence to leave the job. Yeah. So I had to get that first deal. I had to get that first flip deal done. So that's what, why I waited, uh, you know, why I didn't leave in 2015. I purchased that first. Okay. So I was reinvesting money. I was making from the deals into marketing. The first deal came from Craigslist. After that, I started paying, doing paid marketing in the form of postcards, little yellow postcards. Oh, yep. Yep. Um, I was out. That got more leads uh, coming in. You still in. do that? You still do postcards and stuff now? Uh, current, right now, <clears throat> this minute, I do letters. Letters. But, okay. but we still do direct mail. Yeah. Um, I mean, so but, one of my point is direct mail still works. Oh, yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. Um, but at that time, I was like, I was trying to do best bang for the buck, and postcards yeah. are about half cost. Um, and they, they still do work very well. Um, so that's what got me the very first lead that could be a potential flip that I looked at where there was all the conditions were there for it to work. It had been a family rental uh, for like 30 years that the tenants finally moved out. So they either, the, the owner, the family that owned it either needed to put a bunch of work into it before they rented it out again, or put a bunch of work into it before they sold it. But as is, it was just very outdated um, and not, I mean, not habitable. You could say, I mean, barely habitable. I'm borderline. Right. <laughs> so pretty much no maintenance done over 30 years. So, um, and they own it free and clear. So I knew I had to make them a cash offer. I didn't know where the cash was going to come from, but I didn't really worry about that. I was like, okay, well, I'll figure that out if they say yes. So I made <laughs> That's awesome. Right. You're like, I got no money to my name to, to really be making a cash offer for this, but I'm just going to ask them anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's like, really? It's like, I got, got no business offering $190,000 cash. Beautiful. This is like the secret sauce to entrepreneurship. You make a decision, you figure it out afterwards. You like you built the plan on the way down. Yeah, yeah. It's just like I know that's hey. If 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 those people that are doing what I want to do are what are entering this interaction with a cash offer, that's what I got to do. So figure out the right later. Let me get in that lane and and do it. Um, but I also I learned a ton working at Verizon, as you could imagine. And sure. As much as it was uh, not where I wanted to be in the end, just I'm super grateful for all of the the experiences gained through through those that decade of of just sales and management because um, it's little things that it taught me. But like one of those was um, the optional close, just giving your buyer options and making it you know giving them choices versus instead of yes or no, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the best. Yeah. Give an example, right? So I'm a, I'm a seller. Is that what you're talking about? Like, yeah. Okay, so I'm a seller. I got an old beat up house. Let's say it's like, you know, I, I own it free and clear. And you come knocking at my door. Okay, so we get to talking, you know, yeah. we're, uh, we walk the house. I get to understand your situation. We're at the kitchen table. So I'm going to present you with three offers. And that's what I did with, with this one. Um, a cash offer of $183,000. So just straight up cash in your pocket, you get to take it. Um, a seller finance offer in the middle, which was um, $190,000 
plus I will pay you $700 and change a month on top of that. So after six months, you'll net 194,000, like bottom line. So now you're looking at 183, 194. Third option I've got for you, uh, we'll call this one six months, same as cash. This one, it's zero down. Um, there's no monthly payment, but I will cash you out at the end at 192,500. Of the six months? After six months. So a little more, so it's 12,000 more than my cash offer. It's a little bit less um, than my other offer. It's like, it's more, I mean, so 190 plus payments is gonna net me more. Right. This one's 192.5, but that's it. And you get it all so, at once. Um, all once, but it's in six months. So I let's say someone's thinking about doing this or they are doing this and they're, they're contacting sellers. They haven't had any luck and they haven't got anyone. Can you walk through what each one of those, or maybe just the last one, what that does for you as a flipper? Like what that creates you time and possibly yeah, resources, et cetera. Like, so go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So all three of these work for me. If they take any one of the, except, I mean, the cash one, I'll have to figure that that'll create a new problem. Where am I going to get the cash? But right. uh, other two are, are pretty much gravy. In fact, the, the third option isn't even that attractive and it's not supposed to be. It's just a third option, kind of a placeholder, which is, okay, so I'm not going to get anything now. I'm not going to get any payments, but, and I'm going to get something in six months. But, I want my money now or whatever is what they're thinking, yeah, right? But if I want my money now, I'm giving up 11 uh, or 12 grand. Mm -hmm. So how about that one option B? How about that, that Goldilocks just right in the middle where actually they're going to net the most, uh, which would be, okay, here's a 190 purchase price. That sounds good. Like, yeah. okay, 190. And then plus I'm going to get payments. So I'm going to net 194. And uh, they went for it. That's they cool. Option B. They were like, okay. We'll, we'll go with this one. How long is it? How long did you finance it out for though? For six months. That's it. It's, it's, in a, it's six months at 190. Uh, what, how did you, how did you get your first payment? You, did you have that money? I did have that money. I had some, you know, I had some money um, yeah, yeah, yeah. from the wholesaling. Um, so basically from there, I just had to figure out, I had to fund the renovation out of pocket and did that with, you know, what I could out of pocket and on credit cards and then uh, just had to maintain, uh, just had to be able to write that check every month, um, at, which was at 5% interest. That's um, a big check though. So, which, uh, well, 700 and uh, 700 oh, bucks. Oh, no, I thought it was, um, I thought it was 190 split into six. Oh, no, 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 no. I was like, that's a big payment. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Balloon, think balloon loan. So, okay, on, those, on those two structures are, all of it's due at the very end, at that hundred day one hundred and eighty, um, and everything up until then. Uh, on option B is a monthly payment. On the yeah. uh, option C, it's it's nothing. That's that. So that's awesome, man. Because like people are thinking, oh man, I gotta have, I gotta have you know, forty grand, or I gotta have twenty grand, or something. I gotta have some money in my pocket. I'm like, dude, go out and work full time for a week and find seven hundred bucks. You know what I mean? Like. You could, anyone could, you know what I'm saying? And the, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah I mean, like, kind of challenge what is the kind of traditional way of 
I mean, before this, all I knew is, okay, you could buy it. When you buy a house, you go to a bank and it's a 30 year mortgage and like you have to get approved and yeah. or rich, you pay cash. But I didn't know this whole realm existed called creative real estate, where it's like whatever you create and you agree to, and the seller agrees to go ahead, do your business. Yeah. That's cool, man. Um, so You've been doing this now, what, four to six years, six years now. Yeah. Six years full time. So like things that you might think like, okay, like my traditional me, like old school thinking along the lines of buying a house cash, if you're rich or with a mortgage, a balloon payment. Oh my God, that's scary. That's evil. That's like, Oh, like a predatory or, you know, yeah. or, or uh, variable interest rates or short-term, like why would anyone ever want a 5-1 short-term like adjustable rate loan? I didn't understand any of that. Those yeah. are all tools that allow you to conduct business. And of course, yeah, you wouldn't want a balloon payment on your home that you live in. Right. But it's like when you start looking at things other ways, oh, okay. Now in that six months, are you, you're renovating and trying to relist it? Is that what you're trying to do so that you can sell it before the six months are up and then you just cash out? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Basically I've got six months to complete the renovation and put it on the market and close, you know, get an offer accepted and go through escrow and sell. And uh, we ended up finishing just before the six months came in just prior to how much uh, make on that first flip, just about $44,000. Damn man. That's awesome. And that was in, uh, yeah, December one, in December, 2015, just one. That was it. That's what gave me, then it was real. It was like, okay, I just replaced half of my yearly income with one deal that I was able to pretty much do this part-time on the side while I was still working here. So that's what gave me the confidence in both myself and the business, as well as in my bank to know that, okay. I can, I can go for it now. And so just cool. put my two weeks notice in and, and uh, yeah, to the day, 11 years to the day made the exit. Cause I saw so many people go not on their terms in the corporate world. Right. Just, just constantly this just cycle of, you know, people coming and going, coming and going. Yeah. And I started to realize after a while, here's another mindset shift that I had. It was like, man, they need me more than I need them. Like, but prior to that, I, I was so grateful for the job. Verizon, right? That's what you're talking about. Yeah. Verizon, they need yeah. you more than you need. Yeah. Because yep. everyone else was coming and going. This employee turnover, like over the years, people would either just get written out of the business or they would do something else. And I was like, dang, how come I'm still here? Like, I'm, I'm either, I guess I'm doing something right. But I relied so much. Um, I thought that was like it. Like I, I didn't think I could get another better job because I didn't really ever have, because it kind of, you know, due to limited exposure, just, you know, from you know, Circuit City to Verizon, there wasn't a whole bunch of different things. I didn't know. Now I'm like, man, you can always get another job. Like if you got the skill set, you can always go back to the corporate world. If the, if, if what's, if you're afraid of taking a leap into entrepreneurship because you think you can't get a job later. Look, if you get a job now, your skills will, you can do it again later. Like that's right. I didn't have that belief at the time. So 
Mm. Weird. Looking back, how many things like it's all so much is in his mindset. Dude, all of it is. It's uh, like we said before, the people who are doing the things that you want to be doing are doing are only able to do that. I mean, one, you said information, there's knowledge and information, right? That's something kind of a variable, but it's their behaviors and how they act and operate, right? And how, how do you, what controls how you act and operate? It's your beliefs. Where do you get your beliefs from? Your thoughts, your perpetuating thoughts that you have day in and day out over and over. And the only way to change it is to get new thoughts in your head that will slowly change your beliefs and you change your beliefs, which will start affecting your behaviors and actions. And the next thing, you know, you start behaving and acting like those people, you know what I mean, man? It's crazy. How it's like, we're so, uh, we're very programmable. Yeah, we are. And it's kind of take charge of, you know, cause automatically we're being programmed all the time. So it's like, once you get a hold of, oh, okay, here, let me start. You can start programming yourself and then start programming myself. That's start tapping in. Yeah. And then how do you do that? You start listening to people like, like, like Jeremy here, you start uh, following podcasts, you start reading books, you start following people on Instagram and, and social media and, and, and consuming their content. And they're going to slowly give you new thoughts that are going to change your beliefs about yourself even. And, you know, so like, it's really be careful about what you put in your, you know, your eyes and your ears. You know, sure. Um, so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. You realize it. It's like, dang, this whole time I've been <laughs> consuming all this. Yeah, a lot of it's nonsense too. You know, like for some reason, it seems like I don't know if it's government. I don't know who it is, or if it is on purpose. But there's a lot of people feeding dumb stuff into our brains. You know. Um, uh, just with you know Everywhere. mainstream yeah anything that's mainstream you know i, I want to also paint a picture of where you're at right now man because i think this is so important you we talked about where you've been kind of how you've got your first few steps in your first deal do it you crushed it you made 44k on one deal while you're still working full-time like that is all awesome but what about right now you've been doing this for six years full-time 10 to 15 properties are you making you know is it 10 to 15 properties every six months that you're flipping and you're making, you know, 400 K every six months, or is it like, tell me like, where are you at? Where can someone be going? If they start to go on this path, if they stick with it for six years, like you have, like, what do they get at the end? If they are as you know, diligent as you've been. Yeah, man. I mean, you can, that's, what's cool about this. You can take it to really whatever level you want. Uh, For the first two years I was flipping on my own. Uh, 2016 to 2018, um, just running my business as a solopreneur, um, hired my assistant for the first time uh, in 2018 or beginning of 2018. And, and, um, and at that point, um, you know, doing a, a few uh, flip every couple months, pretty much. So um, that's where, I mean, and then you can do great at that if you want. I mean, that's yeah, for sure, sure man. What, what so go ahead no i'm just i'm wondering like what is that um what like what what kind of income are you making when you're doing like one one or two flips every two months or something like that what's what yeah, realistic so, uh realistic i mean i only i advise 
only getting into a flip if there's a minimum of a $25,000 profit minimum, but basically you want it to be 10% to 15% of what the after repair value is. Um, on average, it's about 41 on most of the flips that we do here now. So, uh, you know, when you're doing a few, even if you're doing six flips a year, you know, one every other month or so, uh, 40 K, you know, you, you're well over 200 K and, and, uh, you know, that's, it, you can just grow from there. I mean, so that, yeah. Well, I mean, like the, the big thing too, like I I run a marketing agency. I mean, like we get a lot, we have a high monthly recurring, you know, revenue coming in, but we pay a lot of people, a lot of money to do a lot of things that we're selling, you know, um, when you sell a house, I mean, yeah, you'll pay the realtor and everything, but at the end, you're going to get a check and that's your check. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this is, and this is after, uh, all those expenses. Yeah. That's your income. Like, like, if I, my revenue was my income, my God, I'd be crushing it right now. You know, not that yeah. I'm doing too bad, but it, it's, um, that's why I like real estate. I, I definitely want to probably end up dipping my toes into it. Cause the, this is, I mean, that's life-changing money. You would like to have it at like one yeah. day you didn't have it and the next day you do. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, <laughs> if you're willing to solve all these problems along the way. Right. Pot of gold at the end. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Uh, so that, about two years into it, that's kind of where uh, where I was at, um, hitting that 200 to 300K. And then um, end of 2018, actually, that's when things changed, um, kind of went to that next level and, and um, actually joined up with three other local investors here and formed a group because uh, I had seen, uh, I'd done business actually with... Um, another local wholesaler here. He had sold me a couple houses, but we kept running into each other at, uh, at properties that we're looking at and, uh, we get the same leads and things somehow. And, and, uh, so we ended up, uh, basically forming a group, uh, with, uh, himself, um, uh, as well as a real estate agent. Uh, I wasn't a real estate agent at the time. Uh, I later got my license, but, uh, a real a local real estate agent, um, and then a local contractor. So now we got, uh, you know, a flipper, um, a wholesaler, a contractor and a real estate agent, um, forming a group premier real estate group here on the central coast of California, um, with the, uh, intention of becoming the biggest, uh, fix and flip, um, and real estate overall, uh, company here on the central coast. So, that's when, you know, people ask, Hey, when did you, you know, do you have a team like all that kind of stuff? And, sure. uh, and then, you know, you have your outside team, um, you know, as you're building, you have your real estate agent, you have your title company. Sure. And all that stuff. Um, but that's when it went from just kind of solopreneur to actually building uh, a much more robust kind of operation um, there in, in 2018. So uh, fast forward to now, we're at any given time working on 10 to 15 properties. Um, we're actually looking to uh, triple that by the end of next year uh, or end of this year, I should say. Uh, but basically like, so last year uh, we did 33. Uh, this year, the goal is to more than double that. 
um, we're looking to get to triple digits. That's the yeah, yeah. hundred goal. Uh, and then to, to kind of go from there. Um, so it's, which is, it's different. It's crazy. Cause I'm not supposed to flip houses anymore. Like that's not my main role anymore. It's so weird. Like, I feel like I got really good at flipping houses, but then now I'm not. Now just, you're the real estate agent. Is that what you're supposed to be doing? Well, now I'm, I'm CEO of, of the operation. So yes. I'm to support the skill set now is to support uh, all everyone else in their roles and really yeah. make sure they're empowered. Um, Full so, circle here with Verizon, man. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is in a, in a way. Yeah, um, but it's a, uh, it's definitely a, it's an awesome challenge. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, it's actually the. Uh, it's it's a skill set that I feel like I'm still developing into very much so, uh, whereas I feel like I could pretty much, pretty pretty much, say I mastered flipping, as a you know being able to go in flip a house, but then to be able to grow and scale a company, it's not the way I pictured it when people are saying you know scale like this is like it's like, it's just different, but it's awesome. very different. It's a, it's a challenge though every day, so That's it's, right. um, but it's super cool. I really. Uh, I enjoy it. Um, I have, a, I do, I'll admit, I do have one of the hardest things I have a tough time with or have had to overcome is uh, being able to delegate and being, being to able let to, go, to let go, to let go, to let go. That's yeah. right. It's actually yeah, man. Tough, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a progress. So, it, you know, it's a challenge all the time. We're growing, uh, you know, so it, it keeps it uh, very fun and interesting. No, that's really cool, man. Now I want to ask you, are you helping people out who, who are trying to get into this? Do you have a course? Do you have like coaching? Do you have consulting? Like what, if, let's say I wanted to go flip my first house. I didn't know where to start. Could I go talk to you or could I go talk to someone yeah. on your team? Absolutely. Yes. So, uh, I launched friendly flipper Academy, mm -hmm. uh, after having this epiphany of there's more, Okay, so somewhere in between there, we kind of kind of skipped over that, but between 2016 and 2018, it was actually March of 2017, uh, through my real estate, the podcast I was listening to mentor, uh, Justin Williams, shout out to Justin Williams. I would listen to him, his podcast taught me a ton. But I heard from him, I heard of this guy, this Southern dude, who turned out to be Grant Cardone. <laughs> oh, crap. And... Uh, got on his email list, of course, and then uh, ended up getting an invite to the first 10X. Um, and I went for it. It was in Miami in uh, 2017. And that changed my entire outlook on life. Like, as far as like, I was doing so little compared to what I could be doing, like, yeah. just minuscule. But I walked in there thinking, oh, man, I'm working for myself. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm, I'm free from the corporate world for a year. And then I'm surrounded by these people that like own auto dealerships and <laughs> companies. And I'm like, dang, I feel so sorry. I had, I had that epiphany. I went to a mastermind event in Las Vegas in December and I'm like a year and a half into my business. I'm doing all right. You know, or almost two years. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking I'm hot shit, you know, I'm not waiting tables no more or anything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I walk in there I'm like, and this guy in front of me tells me he's been spending $80,000 a week on, on paid ads for Facebook. And I was like, yeah. Oh, this is a little different. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, totally. So that that's that was life changing, and and from that experience, um, that was like the next quantum leap from if they could do it, I could do it mentality to, dang, I could be doing so much more mentality. Yes. Uh, and connected at that point with uh, with Grant, with Brad Lee, um, and that's where and that evolved into teaching other people how to flip houses through friends. You got a VT system with Brad? Yes. Oh, got cool, man. On Lightspeed, um, which is start to finish, how to flip houses, how to wholesale houses, how to find them, how to fix them, flip them, finance them, everything. Um, and then that later evolved into um, what I really specialize in now, which is partnering with people who want to launch and scale their real estate investing businesses. So uh, if someone wants to launch their real estate business, I offer a high-level one-on-one coaching where we basically start to finish, get you set up, uh, get you marketing, get you making offers, getting offers accepted. Um, I fast-track and uh, basically give you VIP access to all the financing uh, relationships I already have so you don't have to go through the process of, uh, oh, you don't have any experience. I can't, can't give you this loan to buy this property. Oh, no, I see you're working with Jeremy. No problem. Mm. Go for it um, kind of thing. So. Uh, that's what I offer now. It's called Real Deal Partnership. And uh, basically, I help people launch their real estate investing businesses. Dude, that sounds amazing, man. Like, you, I, I, if you're, you know, if you have, I have a fr- few friends that have flipped a couple houses, you know, and they're, you know, they do all right, but they're still working their nine to five. And like, they should just go reach out to you and with their next flip money and get your consulting. And I mean, it's like, uh, it's literally the definition of doing it the hard way. If they don't go to you, why wouldn't you, you know what I mean? Why wouldn't you go to someone who's can tell you step-by-step step and shortcut the line with the, like yeah. you just said with the, the financing and everything. Um, man, I want to ask a few more questions before we wrap this up. I think I'm gonna have to get you on again. Cause we, I want to dig into some of like the nitty gritty, like how do you go find a deal and stuff like that? But uh, we're coming up on an hour here and I don't want to keep you too far after that. Um, what do you, this is like some deeper questions, but like, what's the biggest regret you have in your life and why? Ooh, biggest regret, not taking more action sooner. Not, I feel like kind of a late bloomer in the, that I discovered, like, I was kind of on this entrepreneur path from a young age, but then I feel like I went very main, I played into the mainstream uh, agenda. <laughs> sure. just the, yeah, I just kind of like went into that. And then I was there for a long time, longer than I think I should have been. I guess I just didn't explore much outside of that for a really long time. Looking back, I'm like, dang, 11 years. Like, so. Yeah, I'm not I, starting sooner. I think that's a great. Not, not, not starting sooner. And, and what would have led to that would just be exploring options. Like, cause that's what, how I stumbled upon house flipping was like, so yeah, not starting sooner. That's cool, man. Um, I'll, I'll do a little rapid fire. What's one book you believe everyone should read? Everyone, not just house flippers, everyone. Ooh, I would say think and grow rich, the 10X rule. The next rule will trip you up, man. Like, 
yeah, the way it expands the way you think is just wild. I, I when I read that book, it, it it's literally saying whatever you think you can do, <laughs> right? Just ten exit. Yeah, yeah, like it just <laughs> right. It basically takes your mindset and like stretches it. Yeah, because like that you have to think a different way. So if my goal is to make you know twenty five grand a month. I should be thinking 20, uh, 250,000 because what you have to do to get to 250,000 is nothing like what you're doing at 25, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. I think that's a great one. So think and grow rich 10 X rule. I'll let you get another one. Uh, Oh, just rich dad, poor dad. I mean, that set the foundation for for real estate. Yeah. Yeah. I think anyone should read it, but like, Yeah. yeah, but just mindset wise, like, I mean, and that was early on, but yeah, I think those three, that's a good kickstart. Yeah. Okay. This one's interesting. I mean, take it with you. Take what with, I can't even say that. If you could go back in time and tell yourself three sentences, uh, what would they be? And how old would you be when you told yourself them? You can like, you're just like, poof, I can go and be like, Hey, I'm you from the future. I can only tell you three sentences. Here's what they are. And then poof, you're gone. What would you say? Um, stop caring what other people think. Very early on. Don't, don't care what other people think. Just be yourself. No matter if, if you're whatever you think you are if you're a nice person be a nice person if you're a dick be a dick but just be you be genuine oh that is good anyways don't be a dick but like honestly if you be you be you yeah i like that and if you're if you is a dick then work on becoming a better person (laughs) but at least be a you know (laughs) be you be authentic and people will appreciate that don't put on a mask yeah don't put on a mask yeah yeah yep sure um and have an opinion about things have a voice have an opinion have a voice have an opinion it doesn't have to be the right opinion but have an opinion put like leaders have an opinion like you have a you have a stance what is it it's it's better to have to fight for something than to to stand you know for nothing kind of thing i'm right there with you that's these this is awesome man so let's wrap it up where can where can the listeners find you Best place to find me is at the friendly flipper on Instagram, also on YouTube, the friendly flipper, or anywhere on social media at the friendly flipper. But I'm most active right now on uh, Instagram with he's got some funny reels coming on and stuff. Yes. He's, he's got some nuggets for you guys. You should definitely check him out. At least go follow him. And um, if you're ready to work with him, shoot him a message. And yeah, I mean, or, yes. gra- or grab his course, dude. I mean, if you're thinking about doing this and you're not ready to invest and scale up an entire real estate operation, but you want to flip a few houses, go buy his course, man. Um, I, I might go buy your course. I'm like, I, just to dip my toes in the water. I mean, do you ever, you ever rent out the um, houses you, you're, you're um, flipping? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I- I'm going to do that. Uh, Short term too, Airbnb. Ooh, yeah, because I, th- I think like just uh, generational wealth is built that way, you know, um, and so many people need to be the, the one in the generation. 
you know, this, this should be the generation you can set up the rest uh, moving forward. And, and real estate's the way to do it, man. They're not making any more of it. Um, reach out to him. Uh, is there anything that listeners could do to support you? So, I mean, like you've given a lot of knowledge. There's a lot that you can do to help them out. What, what could anyone do that would help, you know, let's imagine that you have everyone in your ideal audience that's listening right now. What could they do to help you out, man? What could they do to help me out? Yeah, uh, man. Do you need more deals? Can they send you deals? You send them a commission oh, or like you, they. Yeah, you- no, I, I can always take more deals. I was going to say, be the person that they needed when they weren't where they are right now for someone else. Oh, that's good, man. That's the biggest thing they could do for me. And if I could be that person for them when it comes to learning how to flip, they know where to find me. And he is friendly, guys. Absolutely. Dude, thank you so much for being on. It's been a blast, dude. Um, guys, this uh, this podcast is free. I do this for free. I only ask in a, uh, for payment. Your payment is to go and share this out. Share this to people who need to hear this. You may This episode, you may not be into flipping houses, but there's someone else who you're going to share this out to. It's going to change their lives. Please share this out. Leave a review so we can get more, uh, you know, more clout, more people uh, like Jeremy on the podcast so that, um, you know, we can keep bringing this knowledge out to the people who need it because I, this stuff is life changing. I mean, a lot, Jeremy even said it starts with a podcast. He's listening to the same podcast over and over. It changed his mindset. This is it, guys. Share this stuff out. I really appreciate you for listening. And until next time, peace.